Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. Um, once again, I'd like to say hello to my lovely co-host Michelle. Hi Michelle. Hi Stephanie. Um, so today we've got a special guest with us and for the first time it's actually one of our students. Um, we have Bodie Biles here to talk to us today. Hi Bodie. Hi everyone. Um, so the reason that we asked Bodie to come and speak to us today is because we're looking at 13 Reasons Why, the recent uh, Netflix adaptation of the, of the novel by Jay Asher. And since Michelle and I sadly... Um, no longer teenagers and haven't been teenagers for quite some time, we thought we would invite an actual youth to talk about this series. So, Bodie, um, can you tell us a bit about why 13 Reasons Why is so popular at the moment? What's going um, on? Well, do you know kind of the premise of what it's about? I, I, I know the premise, but yep. yeah, maybe if you could speak to why it's... Oh, look, I, I have... Two out of three children who yeah, have watched okay. <laughs> all episodes. You're surrounded by youth. Uh, yeah, I am <laughs> surrounded by youth, and in fact, my 18. Well, I shouldn't actually say that because he won't want to be identified. But uh, he may have stayed up until five in the morning. Um, I, I relate. Right. I stayed up until about three thirty in the morning, <laughs> and I kind of watched all thirteen hours of it the just binge, straight. The Yep. And then kind of paid for it dearly when I woke up the next day. <laughs> um, but no, like I think uh, the series is quite. Um, it's interesting because people are reacting to it very distinctly, either very positively or very negatively. Um, and I think that's because it's relatable either way. So, for example, the people reacting to it negatively, they may relate to it in such a personal way that it brings up a lot of unspoken issues for them, or they may not relate to it at all, so they kind of, they're ignoring the issues because it's an uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. And then people relating to it positively... Um, is again, it's that variant of whether how deeply they're relating to it or not. Because I guess for people who who don't know thirteen reasons why, just a, a little bit of a, a, a brief recap um, in terms of the, the premise of the story. Yeah, um, it very much uh, sort of deals with uh, teenage suicide yeah. in 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 a, in a in, in an actually fairly graphic. Manner, from what I understand, um, in the series, in the series, not in the book. There's a there's a there's a lot of changes in the book as opposed to the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess uh, there's also that that notion of um, I, I, some form of um, blame in terms of uh, a sort of thirteen cassettes, which I thought yeah. is interesting because obviously cassettes are a technology that belongs to, to, to my... I actually did grow up yeah, with cassettes. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, could you just a little bit more about that? I mean, well, the premise is basically it follows Hannah Baker. Um, so there's two protagonists, Hannah Baker and Clay Jensen. Um, and Clay comes home one day to find a box, and it's full of the cassette tapes. And Hannah has basically recorded 13 reasons why she has committed suicide. And each tape is dedicated to a different person who has contributed to this snowball effect that led her to kill herself. Um, some tapes, uh, there are, for example, two people get two separate tapes, or one person gets two tapes. It depends on what role they play in the story. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and again, going back to why I think people are reacting to it the way they are, um, talking about mental health in general has such a stigma attached to it, but when you're relating it to teenagers and adolescents Mm. and kind of this youth, and you're talking about very harsh topics like, you know, for example, rape, uh, suicide, it really is an uncomfortable conversation that people don't want to bring up. Mm. 
Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously thinking in terms of um, the way that traditionally sort of, I guess, ideas like uh, suicide, rape, in mental illness in relationship to uh, sort of teenage people have been handled and I guess censorship is, is really strong around those issues isn't mm. there you know like there's a sense that the way of dealing with them is by not having that sort of material yeah, and, you as know, part of you know believing that youth can't experience something traumatic or at least traumatic enough to lead them to a breakdown like that mm. you know or believing that you know youth is still innocent when the reality is it's not mm. um, but I think socially we idealise adolescence and youth and you know people talk about oh high school is the best time of my life and this that and everything but then you know a book like this which shows actually no it's not and it hasn't been like that for a very long time or actually I think ever and I think mm. that was one yeah. of the things that I was thinking was that mm. the, that sort of overhang is very much a Victorian notion of innocence yeah that's it? right yeah um, that's that's the craft it's, it's, it's the construction of child childhood as a time of innocence yeah. and at a time um, then the children need to be sheltered or, or maybe more specifically teenagers to kind of use a more modern um, conceptualization but that, that they need to be kind of sheltered from all of these topics that just touching these topics in the literature that they read or the, the TV they watch I suppose um, is going to infect them somehow yeah and you know as a writer and I write a lot of young adult um, fiction. I'm always kind of policing what I should write because whether it's considered appropriate or not for teenagers but then I kind of think well, I was a teenager and it was appropriate for me. Um, most teenagers that I know are kind of discussing these issue issues anyway. So, whose perception is saying? Well, know? yeah, I mean it's, I think that what what's going on here is, is our kind of, we're pointing to what we understand that period of your life to be like and I think that a lot of um, people would conceptualise especially being a teenager as a time when you're very susceptible um, to the media that you consume that it's going to have a kind of um, stronger effect on you psychologically than as an adult and whether that's true or not I think is a really open question I think for some teenagers that they are quite susceptible for various reasons but a lot of teenagers aren't and teenagers are still capable of reading critically you know, just because you read something doesn't mean you're going to do it necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the biggest criticisms of the show at the moment. You know, when Headspace came out and slammed the show and said, you know, it might inspire young, younger people to, you know, commit suicide. And we've had our suicide hotlines kind of going off the rails with concerned parents and teenagers and, you know, psychologists and doctors and this, that and everything. But again, it's this idea that, you know, this is a reality for some people. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I have never really, for me personally, I've never read a story that makes me, I'm going to kind of embody this text. Yeah, that I'm, I'm going to act in the ways that these texts kind of model. Yeah. yeah. Or even that it is that sort of straightforward um, identification process. And, and I, I guess, you know, because I think you're always mindful of the fact that, um, you, you know, literature plays that role of, 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 of giving uh, anyone, whether it's a child, an adult, man, woman, whatever it is, um, I guess, uh, 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 and, and I can't remember the name of the philosopher, but, uh, but uh, their, their second body, mm. you know, and if you can't actually see yourself being portrayed anywhere, mm. then in actual fact it, 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 it's, it's harmful. Yeah, so and it's isolating. Not, put, not portraying um, these sorts of issues I think could be as More damaging? equally mm. damaging um, as, um, you know, sort of... Yeah, and, you know, that's what a lot of people who are reacting positively to it are saying, where it's just like, oh my god, me too. 
I can mm. finally relate to something. I've related to how that feels. I've related. They obviously they haven't gone and killed themselves, but you know they're like I relate to, you know, for example, the rumors going around at school, or I relate to when someone kind of for a female student, I relate to when a male kind of touched me inappropriately and I didn't want it. Mm. You know that, that relatability. Very, yeah, and that can be very reassuring. I yeah, think. and yeah. makes you feel like you you're not alone. Um, someone's validating you. Someone's actually saying, no, this was something that shouldn't happen. Mm. You shouldn't just ignore it. Mm. Um, so one of the main criticisms uh, that I want to kind of bring up mm. is a lot of people are saying that, particularly with the show, because in the book, Hannah Baker um, commits suicide by swallowing pills, and it has about a page that talks about it, and it's Clay's reflections on it by saying, oh, some people said you drowned in the bathtub, some people said this, some people said that. Mm. Um, so it's, but, not, it's not graphic. Yeah, it? it's yeah. not graphic in the least sense. Mm. Um, as well as the rape scene, because mm. it's not even a rape scene in this, um, from Hannah's perspective. Mm. Um, she's like, I didn't tell you to stop, I didn't say anything like that. Um, and it was very interesting, I'll see if I can find it in here, but it was basically saying um, she wanted to use knowing that she would be sexually assaulted because of the type of person that the character Bryce is, she wanted to use that to kind of lose herself completely and lose all her identity and lose all kind of self-worth mm. which would kind of prompt her or push her even further to actually kill herself. So she's being very self-destructive in the book. Yeah. Um, with agency. Mm. Yeah, and that's sort of agency. not the yeah. same thing that happens in the, um, the series because that is a graphic rape scene. Actually, there's two graphic rape scenes in it. And um, the suicide in the scene, and the suicide in it is completely different. Where she slashes, um, where she slashes her wrists, which is actually, and done then the, in yeah, a, and in a, in it's a, a very, very graphic. Um, and that's one of people's biggest, you know, issues with it. They're saying, oh, it's very triggering for people. It might inspire people, but my kind of bounce back to that or clap back to that is, you know, those things don't happen until episode twelve and thirteen. Um, before they happen, the specific episode says, warning, this will show graphic depictions of rape, or this will show graphic depictions of suicide. Mm. And then... So you've had to kind of subject yourself to watching 12 hours to get there. And you kind of know the premise as well. Um, but then in saying that... So I don't... Personally, and this is my own opinion, I don't think it will inspire someone to kind of take action like that. It might exacerbate someone's um But it's also symptoms. a really problematic mm. idea of responsibility and blame to presume yeah. that, you know, sort of um sort of a person who is otherwise not going to kill themselves will over you know so so yeah. so, so I, I, I think that, you know, and I, that actually leads me to one of the things that intrigued me mm. about the um, not enough to get me to watch it but, <laughs> but it did actually intrigue me in my grilling of my my children and the thing that struck me was that both of them very clearly said that um, they took from that series a, a very strong sense that uh, suicide was never the answer because as a reader yep. Yep. as a viewer you take that sense of um, that, and, you, you, that you can't get and you also back. see the aftermath of it as well do you see the effect that it has on the parents you see the effect. and especially because this story is kind of vengeful mm-hmm. you know with the tapes and she's like I'm, I'm going to try to ruin your mentality basically and she says some of you might not change your attitudes at all but some of you might go to jail and so it's very vengeful her thinking before even committing suicide 
Well, the, the thing that I found interesting and, you know, that I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on was that my daughter, who's 14, actually said that, um, you know, first of all, uh, because I, I, cause I said the same thing, it is very vengeful. And, yeah. and her, which her conclusions was, A, were that firstly, they deserved it. You know, so so they hmm. unproblematically they unproblematically <laughs> a deserved the tape and b to feel guilty about killing her and c that they caused her death. I and that would disagree. for me, well, no, and and that but that I guess is um, I guess one of the criticisms that's yeah. being levelled at it that whereas somebody and you're much older yeah. and you've had a lot more experience with reading and writing and yeah. critiquing and I all think of that if I watched this as a teenager it would have been very different how I reacted to it mm. because I'm not kind of critically tearing it apart mm. um, but no like I definitely think that for example in the book when she does kill herself you know again it's that really graphic thing but all the characters she's very kind of for example Clay Clay mm. Jensen um, when it gets to his tape, which is tape number nine or something, but the way that the tapes have been spread around is very different than what it is in the book. But when it gets to his tape, he's kind of gone through nine tapes so far, nine episodes of believing that he's the reason mm-hmm. um, she killed herself, or mm. he's played a big part. And she literally says, Clay, you're, you shouldn't be on this on these tapes, but I'm going to tell you why you're on there. And it was along the lines of, you know, uh, at a party he kissed her and she told him to get away from her and he tried to come back and then she said get away and then he left and he didn't come back and that's kind of her reasoning for him affecting her. And some of the reasonings for what happens again I understand that in a teenager's mind and that's kind of something that I have to remind myself is like this Mm. is a teenage character Mm. so they don't have the same reflections as I would. So, So are you saying that that incident demonstrates or holds up for critique the, the flaws in her logic is mm. that what you're saying um, and that allow you know sort of viewers and an audience to recognize the fact that while in her mind she's making she's making connections you know yeah. joining dots yeah. that the reader and the audience can see are not necessarily a the only way that you yeah. could connect the dots but also probably problematic and, and you you like it she does talk about a snowball effect at least in the book that I remember um, she talks about a snowball effect and how one thing led to another was led to another um, so therefore, it's not a kind of yeah. you know you did this. Therefore, I've committed suicide. It's a you know these are small kind of. Um, but she blames everyone on yeah. the way as yeah. well. So whether I mean, it is something yeah. small, yeah, she's like just... you played a part because you like kind of rolled that snowball at the top of the hill. Yeah, and that kind of worries me because I think that um, to to take your life is an extreme act, obviously. Um, and I and I it kind of worries me that it's. And again, I haven't seen the show or read the book, so I may be misinterpreting this. But it just worries me that it's it's promoting this idea of, of suicide as something motivated by the actions of others. Versus, yeah. I mean, to, to take your own life, you've obviously got um, some mental health issues that need to be worked out. Yeah. Because if you are entirely mentally healthy, no, nobody can do anything that will push you to that. And that's what I mean about the criticisms of the show, where, for example, people are like, oh, we've had concerned parents, and we've had this, and we've had a lot more teenagers ringing our suicide hotlines, and I'm like, yeah, but the show didn't inspire them to that. But um, it was already but, there. Yeah, it was something like there was, that was and that's what them. I mean about yeah. exacerbating mm. the symptoms that are already existing. Mm. So I would never recommend for someone who is in that mindset to watch the show. Mm. But someone who is in a much more kind of aware and healthy mindset um, would be able to watch the show and take something completely different from it. Mm. Um, but then my also my other criticism is when 
you know, they've said, oh, we've had a lot of people ring up our suicide hotlines and stuff. I'm kind of like, isn't that the point of them? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they've sought yeah. help rather yeah, than like take their lives. They're not living so in if you've had a spike, anymore. So mm. if you've had a spike of suicides, that's probably more problematic than a spike in calls because yeah. that could actually be a good Because thing. the show kind mm. of shows her trying to get and the last kind of tape shows her going to a guidance counsellor um, trying to get help and she actually says, she insinuates I feel suicidal and she insinuates that, I, that she was raped. Mm. Um, and the guidance counsellor's advice is kind of like, well, you just need to get over it and move on. So and, that's what, and that's what in, kind in of systems, yeah. yeah and that's kind of what because she says in the, even in the book she's like this is the last chance I'm giving life one last chance and then she records her conversation with the guidance counsellor and then when he basically says you either have one choice is to for example press charges mm -hmm. um, but she couldn't because she couldn't kind of conceptualise what had happened either mm -hmm. um, or you need to let it go and move on Needless to say, this happened, like, you know, very recently for her as well. Um, and when she hears she need to let it go and move on, she interprets it as get over it, mm -hmm. just move on with it. And she's like, all right, I'm just going to get over it and I'm going to move on with the suicide. So therefore, because it does demonstrate, you know, that the, the thing to do in those situations is to seek help, and yes, those systems sometimes fail, but in real life, people ringing suicide hotlines and seeking help is actually... Positive thing, you know. Yeah, people are talking they're about not these suffering issues. in silence anymore. Exactly. It's not yeah. a matter of you know. Suddenly, all these people have watched the show and they all feel suddenly really triggered and they've realised they have you know depressive mindsets and they're just like, oh, I better go seek help for it. It's the fact that these people have been suffering in silence. And again, it goes back to that relatability. Finally, that's how I feel, and I don't want to end up like that. So I'm going to go ring someone. I'm going to go seek help. Well, I never thought of um, banning. I, yeah. I mean, I've never. You know, mm. I, I've never thought... Firstly, it's it's a ridiculous enterprise because if they don't watch it under your roof, they'll watch it under someone else's. Yeah. And you can't... <laughs> That's red rag to a bull, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it just puts it in a context where it's no longer, you know, sort of... Uh, where it no longer opens a dialogue. And the thing that I know is that, uh, in actual fact, and I don't have statistics for this, uh, but, you know, I do know for a fact that, uh, you know, sort of... I, I, that most uh, most teenagers would know of someone who has either made an attempt on their life or who has mm. um, killed yeah. themselves. And if they and haven't so made an attempt on their life, they're at least suffering with, for example, depression, self-harm, mm. you know, any of these kind of self-destructive habits. Um, but that might also point, too, to, to the reason why it's so graphic, because it seems to me that there's an interesting kind of disjunct there between the book and the kind yeah. of... Um, light way that it's dealt, the actual act is dealt with in the book versus the series. So you've got to think, why was that choice made? And I wonder if the reason it, it's graphic is not a kind of, you know, exploitative, you know, we're going to show violence because we can yeah. and because it's TV and it might cause some controversy and get people to watch, but also because violence is off-putting, right? If it's yeah. so graphic and so disturbing, then teenagers are less likely to actually think that this is something to romanticise it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing a, this is kind of very off topic, but kind of related. I remember seeing a, a version of Madame Bovary, <laughs> the and an adaptation of the of the novel in which the main character at the end commits suicide, and the, it made the death look kind of pretty, you know, because she yeah. just she just she didn't even really vomit. She she poisons herself and she just sort of 
flails and flails around oh. and then dies. Well, and then I remember <laughs> seeing another the adaptation of this where in which she's violently vomiting and violently ill, and it made it look awful. And I thought exactly, I'd rather though. see suicide look awful than suicide look like. And that, that's kind romantic. of what I liked about the series of it. Well, I didn't like it, but like what I thought was really effective is you know if she had just like you know taken some pills and lay down Fallen in the asleep. bathtub and yeah. just like oh that's kind of the end it's of like that a good way kind out. of thing it's just mm. like oh that was kind of almost peaceful yeah you well want, like you with this you know violence. she's yeah. there and she like you know digs the razor blade up her arm and mm. blood spurts out and then she screams and she's crying and she does it again and then she's there in like a bloody bathtub and the parents run in and see her and like the mum's cradling her and crying and, and you can see it's how it's so much more intense yeah, yeah that's right um and I can see how it would be triggering, but it depends on what people are still kind of choosing to focus on as well. But I, I, I also think, you know, sort of just in, 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 a, in, a, in a sort of a, a sort of a broader perspective, you know, sort of it draws attention to first of all the fact that we do have particular sort of constructions and normalisations going on around what it is to be a child and to be a proper child and to be a proper teenager, yeah. mm. which means that you don't have these sorts of concerns. And I think that series like this as a, 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 a sort of challenge those sorts yep. of notions, but also hit raw nerves because, in, in actual fact, any you know sort of any uh, detrimental or destructive um, sort of thing that's going on uh, in society is happening in families. It's happening behind closed doors, and children from you know sort of the time they're born to the time that they leave home are always going to be subjected to yeah. those realities and to pretend that just because it's not happening in, you know, sort of this many houses, it's not happening in any houses, mm. is always going to just, I think, intensify yeah. the sort of the experiences of alienation and marginalisation. Um, and any time that sort of something does create a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, mm. I think it's usually a sign that it's it's, it's something that needs to happen, yeah. a dialogue that needs to happen, and not necessarily that Selena Gomez, um, you know, <laughs> is is actually um, necessarily, um, you, you know, sort of the, the, the person to, to do this, or that her motivations, <laughs> or, or, you know, or that the series itself um, is, is necessarily a, a match to, 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 to things, but it is. I think, but in saying that, Selena, for example, Selena Gomez's audience Isn't and the people enormous? who are receiving from <laughs> it, well, yeah, <laughs> aside from being enormous, but majority of it, you know, she grew up on, she, she did Barney and then she did Disney and Which she's kind of stayed place. very PG yeah. for the most part. So her audience has always been youth. Mm. You know, you're not going to catch like your 70 year old grandma, you know, <laughs> bopping away just at Selena Gomez. I mean, you might, mm. um, but you wouldn't catch mine. <laughs> so she's speaking to... Yeah, to, and you know, yeah, she's if she's able to use her fanfare to do that, I think it's really effective. And, you know, even when um, the actors that play uh, Hannah and Clay, they were on Ellen the other day, and even Ellen said, you know, <laughs> she brought up the idea that it's really controversial. And she said, but the the fact is it's getting people actually talking about it. Mm. And I think that's the most important part of it. Well, I mean, it's 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 caught fire. You know, it's the yeah. biggest... Uh, uh, allegedly, Netflix have notoriously stingy at releasing their um, actual statistics, but uh, allegedly it is the most watched um, Netflix original yeah. television show of, of since they've been making them. So it's it's so discussed and so kind of in the public sphere that it has to be there for a reason. I was... um. 
I mean, telling... even we're here talking about it, which yeah. kind of goes to show the hype around. <laughs> well, I was telling you earlier, Bodie, that my I sometimes intimately get newsletters from my old high school. I don't really know why, but I do. And I opened one last Friday, and the one page of the newsletter, of like a four-page newsletter, it's not a long newsletter, yeah. was entirely devoted to talking about how to talk to your children about 13 Reasons Why. So it's really cutting through whatever the merits of the show might be yeah. and however kind of problematic that kind of revenge plot aspect yep. of it is. It's obviously speaking to teenagers. I mean, teenagers won't watch things if they don't resonate with them. Yeah, they're very kind of brutally honest and harsh. Yeah. Look, and I mean, I know that, um, you know, I, I wish I had the the, 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 the the sort of reference for this, but I actually remember attending a conference, and I think you might have been there too, Stephanie, where someone was talking about the way that uh, at the point in, uh, it, it was to do with Thomas Hardy and Jude the Obscure, mm-hmm. but at the point at which education... Um, was uh, sort of made uh, both uh, sort of public and 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 and, and was um, you know sort of reached a point where it was compulsory. Was you know sort of the highest rate of of child suicides. It was just it, it mm. sort of ended up in this sort of situation where um, you know sort of children you know under the age of 12 were killing themselves mm. yeah. and I, so I, I think that there's this myth that we tell ourselves that oh it's only this really nasty old you know sort of 21st century world where kids have got these troubles that make them feel like they kill they need to kill themselves is a myth and, and i feel and like that, that kind of ties mm. into sorry to cut you off um i feel like it kind of ties into that idea that like millennials you know, oh, millennials have it so easy, and millennials are, like I feel like millennials themselves have been marginalised, and that's the audience that this is now, which yeah, isn't they, me. They, so that makes me feel old. They flog, they, they get, they tend to get a, a, a lot of public flogging, as if they're, you know, this, yeah. this kind of narcissistic, selfish, you know, and just like oh, and while I'm kind of like, well, who rose, who raised the millennials, kind of, thing. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean. But then I'm also like, every generation kind of gets the previous generation saying that about them. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when I was I was at school in the 90s and um, we had, and I knew many, unfortunately, many people who um, took their own lives. It yeah. wasn't, it's not something that is, um, you know, something that's a just a thing now. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, though, then nobody really talked about it. It I, was very yeah. much, it, it happened and we all knew about it, it happening and there was always, you know, rumours about it happening, yeah. but nobody ever really discussed it and there wasn't a lot of visibility of mental health issues at the time. I remember it was discussed um, quite a lot in my school, actually, mm. um, in the later year, like when I was in like year 11 and year 12, but that was when we were also studying alienation, isolation, so we never, and everything we, we, like that. We, yeah, but the we reason we were talking about it so much was because that was when cyberbullying became a big thing, because Facebook only came out midway through high school for me, but that was when cyberbullying became such a massive thing, and people were kind of obsessed with hating on each other, but also obsessed <laughs> with reading the hate they were receiving, and they took it really personally. Because um, I remember studying, for example, Megan Meyer, who was a girl whose ex-boyfriend, or some friend's mother pretended to be a guy online, let her on for months and told her to kill herself and egged her on and then she ended up killing herself, mm. um, kind of thing. So, I think it's changed, but in a way, I feel like anything that's going to have any pushback is something that needs to be discussed, as, you, as Stephanie said. Well, Jimmy has just alerted me to the fact that I, from all of my confidence that in, in my day we didn't really talk about these issues as openly... Looking for Ella Brandy, which we which we will be dealing with in, a, in an upcoming podcast, actually has a suicide in it. Yeah. Now it's not the main character. Um, it's you don't see um, 
any of the kind of mental torment that goes on for this character um, in terms of, you know, he's very much a secondary character. But it does happen. Yeah. And I remember it being somewhat controversial that it happened at all. But, again, it was it was sort of conceptualised as, like, this inexplicable thing that a character did that was a, a tragedy. And obviously that is true. But I don't Romeo think... Yeah, but I don't think it was, it was kind of... Um, talked about in the way that 13 Reasons Why has been talked about. Yeah. I don't remember anybody sitting down and talking to me about how to cope with that scene. Or, I think or part of that has that. to do with the internet, though, because everything like just has a mind of its own on the internet. Like, for example, last night, the person who got the, broke the record, this guy broke the record for the most retweeted tweet ever, <laughs> and it was about chicken nuggets from Wendy's. <laughs> like, he, like, overtook Ellen in Ellen's famous Oscar selfie and everything. Well, so, I think like, that what the ha- internet what, provides yeah. that wildfire <laughs> track Well, also because you can find people easier. You know, yeah. like, in my day, if you if you particularly, you know, if I had picked up 13 Reasons Why as a teenager, if it was around when I was a teenager, and I particularly, I don't know, found it interesting, I would probably talk about it with my friends, but that's yeah. it. Whereas now you can go online and you can talk about it with many, many millions of people. Yep. And, and have ha- fights with everyone. And, and, yeah, and have these conversations. These, these conversations are magnified because of the yep. internet. Whereas in my day, it would be like, okay, I read this book. Did you read it? Oh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And then that would be kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just, I think it's the propensity. I mean, the, the very word viral. You know, yeah. It really only Virus. has. <laughs> yeah, but it, it yeah. really only has sort of currency and meaning in, 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 in sort of this very tech, technologically yeah. saturated world mm. that we live in. Because I, I have to say, I was just um, in, a, in a reverie thinking back to the fact that the only um, very oblique discussion we had about mental illness when I was at school in the 80s um, was <laughs> um, it was under the self esteem. You know, oh, yeah. self-esteem, yes. self-esteem, and I, I, I think that what they were doing in their own very subtle way was actually talking about, um, you know, sort of people who may have had self-esteem issues. But of course, it wasn't. It was just, it was just um, very, very obliquely treated. And I don't think any one of us in the class had any sense of why we were being subjected to these yeah. self-esteem discussions. I remember we had a lot of self-esteem discussions too, but certainly nothing. Um, it was never conceptualised as, as, you know, mental illness or what to do if, if somebody um, is experiencing symptoms or, or seeking yeah. counselling or whatever. It was very much a, you know, feel good about yourself, girls, because I went to an all-girls school, you know, feel feel like you can do every, anything you want to do. It wasn't yeah. conceptualised in the way it is today. You know, I think, you know, I've spoken to um, people who are older than me and they talk about how, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about millennials kind of being the public, like, beating. Yeah. <laughs> But they were saying, oh, people these days are so sensitive, and back in my day, we just didn't do that. Like, if you bullied someone, it was fine, because that was... And, but I'm like, was it, though? How can, <laughs> how, can yeah. you, how can you, one, speak for someone else's experiences? Um, but two, again... And this kind of draws into what I, another point that I want to talk about, is I want to kind of talk about... I wonder how this would have been received if it was in a different modality, in the sense that, you know, Netflix and binge-watching and that mm. whole trend, if this was something like where it was coming out by week, mm. would it have been different? That's interesting, isn't it? Because we tend to... And I don't. Th- I think yeah. it would be very different, and I don't think yeah. it would be nearly as successful. I think it's something that kind of needs to be binge-watched. Even the book, even the way the book's written, it doesn't... You know, as a writer, I was kind of horrified. <laughs> but, um, you know, it doesn't... Even when the chapter breaks happen, which are the tapes the way the chapter ends is just... And then I flip the tape over, and then we go again. Yeah. There's no real sense of break. There's no real kind of easing up on it. 
And it's very interesting the timing difference between the book and the show because in the show it goes, it seems to go on for at least a week or two. Mm-hmm. In the book it goes for one night. The entire so they thing, listen. The entire thing, and he's like walking around the streets and following this map that Hannah has with mm. to kind of. But um, it also in the book, which is kind of what I didn't like, was there was no character interaction between. Mm. And I I know that you know being kind of a visual text, you need other stuff on there. Yeah. Um, I imagine on a technical level they actually had to enact yeah. the cassettes because it, mm. it, it is because yeah. uh, and that's what I kept questioning my daughter about. I said, you, you know, like what, 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 you know, so what? They're just sitting in a room listening to cassettes. What, Some what, of who them has a cassette player anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you know that this was set in my era? What yeah, was, yeah. You know, like, did you know what to do with? Cassette? But even did on you? like even yeah. in the series, I thought it was hilarious because you know he steals, um, Clay steals Tony's cassette player, which is his friend. And listens to it and takes forever to listen to it, to the point like the other people on the tapes are like, why haven't you just listened to them yet? Mm. I listened to them in one night and you're taking forever, um, kind of thing. But I think it depends on how they're listening to it too, because, you know, the premise is that she's also handed over a map that has different locations X'd out and it's like, this, you know, location correlates with tape one, this one correlates with tape five, this one is where the party was, this one's this. And so Clay decides to follow all these things around. And so they're, and, they're, that's where yeah. the difference in the series, because you, you, you can get that kind of visualised yeah. versus, you know, yeah. and the experience then, of listening. Um, it's very interesting, like, and I was talking about it to you, Stephanie, before, where I wonder um, what the reaction to it is, depending on which way people consume it first. So if they've mm. read the book, um, how do they view the Netflix series, because I watched the series first before reading the book, so I think the book is awful by comparison. But I wonder if people think the series is awful by comparison. And I think that's an interesting question about that binge-watching culture and that kind of hype that comes out when you like consume something in that you know, fe- almost feverish way, versus, you know... <laughs> because you can. You, you just can, need yeah. to. You just, like, I wonder, I wonder, Yeah, I wonder what it would be like if it was, you know, one episode and then you had to <laughs> and you know, in, like we had to do in like, the old days. I kind of like I like that now with, for example, The Walking Dead, um, where it is all like RuPaul's Drag Race or any shows that I watch, where it is still you know one episode a week, and I'm like, it feels like I actually have a life again. <laughs> but also, for, you, you can kind of I, I think when you do binge something in that kind of really um, intense way, yeah. I think you can kind of get obsessed in ways yeah, that you could and couldn't like almost before. oversaturated. Yeah, which is why. Yeah. For example, people who are reacting to this so negatively, I'm like, how much did you kind of expose yourself to, and how consistently? Because mm-hmm. by the end of like thirteen, like thirteen hours, I was like done myself. Yeah. <laughs> like three thirty in the morning, I was just like, no. Nah, especially, out. <laughs> especially because it's such kind of you know, it's it's extreme, disturbing content. You know, it's not yeah. like a fun kind of happy. And that's comedy. where it ends yeah. as well. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, um, so to kind of get there when you are so like kind of drained and exhausted and you kind of haven't eaten all day and then you kind of get that image in your face it's it makes it even more confronting I think so I think mm. they've almost played on the idea that of binge watching yeah that that kind of compulsion to keep going and to yeah. find out the answer and because I, you know what's going to happen from the beginning don't you you know that you're I mean it, which, it says like and that's kind of why I don't really agree with people who are like oh this is really kind of disturbing in the sense that her first words were almost, hi, it's Hannah Baker. Yes, the Hannah Baker who killed herself. And it says, even in the little kind of description info, this story follows the story of Hannah Baker who committed suicide. So I'm like, you know what you're kind of getting into. 
Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's it's very kind of explicit about there's no shocks. It's not well, like you get to the end of episode 13 and you're No, like, you're definitely oh, expecting I'm... it. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, it's still graphic and it's still kind of confronting as it is. Oh, of course. But yeah. that's but that's because of the visual um, kind of idea of it. I feel mm. like in the novel, even if they wrote that she, you know, slid her wrists and everything else, um, it would not have been portrayed the same way as it was graphically on the screen. Mm. It's kind of a macabre fascination, isn't it? Because as you say, you know the ending and mm. it's, it's just that, uh, you know, sort of uh, compulsion to, to get there, which which does actually yeah. uh, rely quite heavily up, upon um, you know the audience's predilection for that sort of thing. You know, it actually does sort of say quite a lot about. It kind of um, makes you feel like you have your own tape, <laughs> if I'm honest, because you know we're kind of personified or focalized through um, Clay for the most part. So where he's constantly obsessed with, I need to get to my tape. I need to get my, to my tape. So, so it's almost like we're just like on. we need to get to the tapes. We just need to yeah. find the tapes. And it's always set up like a crime drama, you yeah. know, in that, you know, you know that the ending, like you do in a crime drama, you yeah. know that there's that there's been a crime, um, and you're, you're finding out how you got there. Yeah. Um, so there is a kind of, it's a very kind of familiar genre um, over, over this, you know, and who is also going to be the kind of most responsible, you know, yeah. who is going to be the, the catalyst? The murderer. The murderer, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's a and I would say yeah. Bryce. <laughs> Well, to yeah. Be well, I mean, yeah, it, it 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 is a kind of perverse murder mystery in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, it's appealing to you know one of the most popular genres that there is, which is the crime mystery. Although it is a very different kind of crime. Yeah. Mystery. Um, kind of sort of an externalized psychological yeah. exploration, isn't it? Because you're 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 sort of on one in the same time exploring what her own personal motivations are through the externalization of these mm. um you know sort of these these scenes these characters um mm. and so it is a strange tension isn't there between being inside and outside of 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 the the victim's mind mm. i'm very intrigued because it just got announced a couple of days ago that they're doing season two of it yeah, how are they going to do a season Yeah, two? I'm very intrigued what they're going to do with that. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's no kind of novel afterwards to yeah. kind of go on with. Um, but then Jay Asher um, also kind of gave their blessing. Mm. And was like, yes, I'd love a season two as well. Yeah, it kind of worries me. But the, the, the part that worries me is not necessarily the depiction of suicide, graphic as it may be. And all of these things kind of don't kind of, bother me but I do I am bothered by the revenge plot element yeah. that's yeah. that's what really really bothers me I just think that first of all it doesn't from what I understand of, of people with suicidal ideation it doesn't really line up with those kinds of um, ways of thinking about what prompts a person to commit suicide and it also feels to me very nasty well, it's sort of, but it also normalises. Like, yeah. if you have, it, it sort of normalises. Because that was the thing that worried me about my daughter's reaction. Yes, mm. they deserve to get those ta- tapes, and yes, they were responsible. It kind of validates. Mm. Well, but, 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 but you know, because you, you know, sort of in in those steps towards, uh, you know, sort of the as you said, the ideation of mm. of, of, of of suicide, something you know, sort of that you're not recognising internally is 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 going off is is going askew. Mm. And this, in a sense, is saying, well, the logic behind that askewness, in some sense, is right. Yeah, because or they are sense. responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I guess that's, and and then of course you have the sort of the truck of of actually 
gaining and 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 and, and generating um, sort of. Uh, you, you, you actually generating all of this attention mm. around, you, you know, sort of a plot that is actually, yeah. you know, sort of based on, on the suicide and then the offshoots yeah. of going further. Because I think from memory what was going to be the basis of the next series was actually going to be exploring, because I think two of the characters killed themselves or, or shot... Um. Uh, I think it's... Okay, the first character, mm. Hannah, dies, obviously. Mm. Um, but at the end, one of the male characters, Alex, um, is shot in the head. And it's not said whether he kills himself or not. One of the teachers runs in, because in, in the series, there's this big lawsuit where Hannah's parents are suing the school and all these other mm. stuff, which does not happen in the book no, at all. Mm. And I'm like, the book laps, lacks a lot of depth. But, um, and, but there's one character, and their name is, I believe, Tyler... And his tape basically talks about how he was um, spying on Henna, and he was the yearbook photographer, and he was actually outside her house taking photos. And she took a he took a photo of her when she was with another girl, um, and kind of published it around. So he was kind of really creepy, and he's mm. one of the characters that I actually don't like at all. Mm. Um, but he's actually seen with his camera stuff, and he has all these guns underneath all his camera stuff. So I kind of question personally if it's going to go down the route. And then he also is seen in one of the photography rooms taking down the photo of the character Alex. Mm. So I'm kind of questioning, one, did you shoot him? And two, with the amount of weapons you have, are you going to go on, like, your own revenge spree? Is are this you, going to be going a... To, is, is the second like season going Columbine? to be a... Yeah, like a Columbine. Yeah. Oh I don't know if I could... I have the stomach for that. I mean, I'd watch it. But <laughs> that's me. Um, I think that's just about all we have time for today. Thank you, Bodie, for oh, okay. um, bringing a youth perspective um, to us two old people. Thanks for letting <laughs> me feel young again. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, as usual. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, and we'll see you next time on From the Lighthouse. Thank you.